Today's sermon, I hope to help you to understand what it means to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. That's my hope today, that you will understand it, and then if you're a Christian, that you'll stop doing it. To not just understand, like, oh, that's great, now I know how, to, how, how I should stop grieving the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway. That's not the plan. The plan is that we would understand it together and that the Spirit would help us. So let me recap for you briefly. If you have your notes, you want to pull these out. Remember that you belong to Jesus and you are to bear fruit for God. For His name's sake, you are to live your lives. You are to live for His name. You are to die for His name. That is your task, Christian. I told you that we need to get to know the Holy Spirit and we need to cry out to Him daily throughout the day to help us. The Holy Spirit brings physical and spiritual life. The Holy Spirit applies the work of redemption that Jesus accomplished on the cross. He applies that to us. And He does the work of making us holy in sanctification. We are set apart from sin and the world and are to move more towards Jesus, to look more like Jesus. And that was where we talked about sanctification specifically last week. We talked about being positionally sanctified. And what I shared with you is if you'll remember in our salvation conversation where we are justified before God, the Spirit of God works in us, the gospel is preached, and we respond in faith, trusting in Christ. At that moment, you are justified before God. And what's tied to that, at that moment, you are separated from the world. You are not under the curse of sin or under the law any longer. So positionally, you're different. Then we talked about how in the sanctification process there, progressive sanctification, where day in, day out, the Spirit works to help us to look more like Jesus. How many of you want to look more like Jesus? If you don't, we can talk afterwards. I'll tell you why he's so great. We look more and more like Jesus by the work of the Spirit, and then one day glorification, where we are perfectly sanctified, meaning separated from this world, from sin even being around us, from sin in our flesh. We are perfectly sanctified and separated. Who longs for that day? Amen. That's what we discussed last week, and as we talked about sanctification, we said it is no question the work of God. If you do not have the Spirit of God, you will not grow. But I commended to you that you do not just sit back passively and say, well, I was saved at six, said the sinner's prayer, was baptized, and I don't really need to do anything, I'll just sit back and look more like Jesus. Doesn't happen that way. The means, the way that God has designed for us to grow is by putting up our sail, as we talked about. The way He makes us look more like Jesus, the way the Spirit works in us is He uses the Word of God. He uses the people of God. He uses prayer. He uses fasting. And we look more like Jesus. So today we're going to focus on actually some commands of Paul, some commands that he has for us concerning the Spirit. 
Like I said, open up your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 24. Should be on your notes. Hopefully it'll be up on the screen too for you. Before I read this, let me pray and ask for the Spirit to help us. God, again, we are thankful to be together. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful, as others have said today, that we can, we can gather, and Lord, we're thankful we don't need permission to do that. You have all authority, and you've said do it, so we do it. And when others try to stop us, we will still do it, and they may arrest us, and those who are still around will still do it, and we will do it, Father, in homes, in the park, anywhere we can, because you are worthy to be worshipped. So God, as we are assembled in this place, by your grace, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us. We do not want to grieve our God. So help us to understand it. Help me to communicate it well. May I be hidden in your word. May the truth of your word break forth in your people now. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning of verse 12. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica or Thessaloniki. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very, very highly in love because of their work. This is a little side note I want to give you here. Notice what it says. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord your elders and pastors. If you do not have a local church that you're a member of and you cannot think of anybody that this applies to, you're wrong. You need to repent and you need to find a church. If you are in the rare situation that there are no churches around you that are healthy, drive further. If there are no churches near you, then it's worth moving unless God has called you to start one. And if he has, talk to me after the service. We may work with you with that. <laughs> Who are your shepherds? This is why it's one of the arguments for church membership, but that's a whole other conversation. Be at peace among yourselves. Verse 14, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Think about that, brothers and sisters. There are those in the church who are idle, and maybe that's you. The church's task, not just the pastor's task, the church's task is to admonish the idol. So don't, don't sit still, keep following Jesus. Encourage the faint-hearted. Have any of you ever been faint-hearted before? Have you ever been encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ? That's a beautiful thing. Help the weak. Be patient with the ones that you really like. Wait, be patient with them all. Wow. Just so you know, in the Greek there, all means all. <laughs> See that no one, look at this, no one repays evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray 
without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. That all keeps coming up. Is it making anybody else uncomfortable? All, all, all. This shows us how badly we need God's help to do this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I don't know God's will. Read 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench. Not a suggestion. A command. Do not quench the Spirit. Your picture in your mind, again, idea of a, a fire maybe. Maybe you're out, there's a fire pit and a fire going. Don't put that fire out or try to. Don't dump water on it. We're enjoying the fire. It's causing light and heat. Don't put it out. You ever been camping with a kid? You get the fire going finally after three hours? Some of you are like, no, I get it done in 30 minutes, five minutes. I got a fire going. Got a fire going before I even started. Yeah, okay, pride. Right? Some of us struggle with it. Takes a little while to get the fire going, all right? Get the fire going. You walk away and you turn over and kids have a big pile of leaves or something, just throw it right on top. No! It'll help as long as it doesn't put it out. Do not quench the spirit. But look what it look what comes next. Don't miss this. Do not quench the spirit. Well, all these things in this passage could apply to doing that, but in particular, look what he says next. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. I want you to remember this. We're going to look over now at Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. I'm going to read through a few different passages, and then at the end of the sermon, what I hope to do is actually give you a list of ways that we quench the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. The Apostle Paul, again, writing here, talking about the new life in Christ. 25. Therefore... Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are, listen to this, members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. Wow. Is what comes out of your mouth all the time things that give grace to those who hear? Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit, He can come on people and come off of people. He has filled people in the Old Testament, but not in the same way that we mean here. To be saved, one must be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born again. That only happens to believers, and in the New Testament in particular, we see that the Holy Spirit would come for those who are born again, born by the Spirit, and seals us. 
for the day of redemption, and he will never leave you. That's why Jesus can say, I'm with you always until the end of the age, because his spirit is inside of you if you are a believer. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ gave you, forgave you. On your notes, I'll have a few more for you. Acts 4.31, speaking about a great thing happening in the early church. And when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I'll make a point in a moment about what I'm pulling out of that passage. 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16, let no one despise you for your youth, but, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity, until I come, talking to Timothy, Paul says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Verse 14, listen carefully, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you save both yourself and your hearers. A couple more. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Here's what he says again to Timothy the Apostle Paul. For this reason I remind you, listen, to fan into flame the gift of God. Timothy has a, a gift and he's to fan it into flame which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Two more here. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the last one I have for you, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why do I have all these passages? I believe that in these passages we see at least some of the ways that we grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. But let me say real quick that realize this, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit God? Does that mean he's sovereign? Absolutely. So make no mistake about it, we do not control the Holy Spirit like we can do whatever we want with him. He is sovereign, but what he has chosen, what our God has chosen, are ways that he will work in us and ways that we can quench or grieve the Spirit but he is sovereign. In studying this, I was thankful for, I want to mention a few, John Owen, John Piper, Kevin DeYoung, John MacArthur, A.W. Tozer, Sam Storms, J.R. Packard, and others for the things that I'm going to share with you now. In those various verses, here's what I want to share with you. 
How many of you, at times, wish you were more loving? Show of hands. Fantastic. How many of you wish that, you could probably leave your hands up, but that's okay. You were more joyful at times. You had more peace at times. You were more patient with others at times. Both hands up. Both hands up on that. You were more kind or there was more goodness in you. You were more faithful. You were more gentle. Or maybe that you would have more self-control. You ever wish those things? Those things sound familiar to you. Part of our scripture memory. The fruit of the Spirit. Here's what I want you to understand. If you are not walking in step with God's Spirit, I'm going to say be filled with His Spirit, then you're walking in the flesh. And when you walk in the flesh, guess what? Those things aren't going to be there. Or at least, they're not going to be, not going to be very much of them. So when we're speaking about grieving the Holy Spirit or quenching the Holy Spirit, it's directly related to the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go down your notes here. 1 Thessalonians 5, the, the first one we read. In 1 Thessalonians 5, what I really wanted to point out to you is even though it lists a whole bunch of things in that passage, specifically, right when it says, do not quench the Spirit in verse 19, it then says, do not despise prophecies, but to test them. Here's what I'd like to submit to you. I believe that you are quenching the Spirit of God if you do not believe in or you despise spiritual gifts from God. Now, there's some debate on exactly what does prophecy mean. I'm not going to get into all that this morning. But in particular, this church in Thessalonica, apparently there were those who were bringing prophecies and the people were despising them and saying, we're not going to listen to any of them. And what Paul says is, no, that is a gift from God. You need to listen to it and then you need to to check it and make sure that it's good. And if it was good, hold on to it. So whether it's prophecy specifically, which again is a, a bit debatable, but the gifts of the Spirit, if you despise the gifts of the Spirit in some way, you say, oh no, no, those aren't from God. I believe you are quenching God's Spirit in your life and in your church. First thing. Second, based upon our Ephesians 4 passage we read, you would be quenching the Spirit of God if you do these things, especially with no repentance. Lying. Having sinful anger, bitterness, or yelling. And just so you know, I know some of you think, well, the Bible tells me that I can be angry. I just can't sin in my anger. Okay, that's true. But you better be very careful that you're not deceived by thinking that you have righteous anger. Most of the time, you don't. Most of the time, there is pride or something else going on inside of you. You be very careful with that. What else might you do according to that passage? If you are stealing, quenching the spirit. If you lack honest work. If you are employed by somebody and you do not work to the glory of God and you are cheating them somehow, being lazy, not being faithful, I believe you would be quenching the spirit of God in your life. If you are greedy, if you have corrupting talk like slander, gossip, tearing people down, posting things on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, if you are slandering people, you are quenching the Spirit of God inside of you. 
And then you go, I don't know why I don't have patience with people. Because you're quenching the Spirit of God. If we as a church are known to slander and gossip people, then we are quenching the Spirit of God in our church. Look at this. The lack of building others up. Having malice, being hard-hearted, and listen to this carefully for some of you, not forgiving others. You know that person that you're not forgiving? You know the one I'm talking about. That's coming up in your mind. A lack of forgiveness will quench the Spirit's work in your life. Based out of the 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 1 passages that we read together, going back to spiritual gifts, Paul was telling him to fan in a flame that gift that he had. Some of you, all of you, if you are a Christian, have at least one spiritual gift. At least one. Some of you have more. The point of the spiritual gifts is to edify the church. Some of you have your spiritual gifts and you're not using them. You're not using them in the church. And when you do not use them in the church, guess what? You are quenching the Spirit of God in you. Some of you don't even attend a church. Let's go to the next section, I think it is. Well, skip one. Ephesians 5 and Hebrews 10. We'll go back to the Acts one. With the Ephesians 5 and Hebrews 10 passages that we read together, you can go back to these. When you do not gather for worship, I mean a habit of it based upon the Hebrews passage, and then you're not there and you're not singing songs and psalms and spiritual hymns to one another, you're quenching the Spirit of God. Your church needs you. Other Christians need you. And you need other Christians. So when we say, no, I'm not going to do that, and I don't mean you're sick on a Sunday. I mean it's a habit of not gathering and not using your gifts to build up the body of Christ and not coming and singing or having a worship service which is not a worship service if you are not singing to God. Never is it a worship service. You must sing to our Lord. It's a command. And even, let's say it weren't a command. How can you hear the glorious gospel of grace and not sing out to your God? You will quench the Spirit of God in you personally and in your church if you do not do these things. These are the, the means by which we put out that flame. Now at times, does the Spirit decide just to override that? Absolutely He does. But the normal means with the way He works in our lives is we quench that. It's like our sail that we put up bringing that sail down. Are you still going to drift towards glory? Yes, but how many of you want to drift to glory? I don't want to drift to glory. I want the Spirit to take me. I want to be moving quick to glory. Get as close to Jesus as I possibly can. Y'all didn't hear Silas singing, did you? I heard him. He was singing louder than some of you. Out of the mouth of babes. Brothers and sisters, these are the things God has given us. When you say, well, I don't really like singing. It's not manly. You're, you're going to hate heaven. And you might not be there. If you haven't trusted in Christ, how can you not sing to your God? Pretty sure if the 24 elders on the throne and angels and these living creatures, all these things can sing to your God, I think you can too. The last one out of Acts 4.31, what I wanted to point out there was, if you are prayerless, I believe you're quenching the Spirit of God in your life. 
So when you quench or grieve the Spirit, then guess what's going to happen? The fruit of the Spirit is not going to be coming out in your life. And so when you say, man, I was really impatient with my wife this morning. It's because you're walking in the flesh and not walking in the Spirit. I was really impatient with my coworkers. Man, I just don't have peace inside of my soul. Because if you're walking in the flesh, here's where your peace and your joy and everything else there. It's going to be contingent on what's going on around you. Just like the world. You know how the world gets their peace? Hopefully everything's going well. If everything starts, something starts to go wrong, what happens? Gone. Christian, you are different. You have the Spirit of God, so no matter what's going on around you, you should still have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ask the question, if I'm if I'm lacking in these areas, if, if, if I don't feel the Spirit of God coming, the fruit of the Spirit coming out, have I quenched the Spirit of my life? Now take heart, Christian. We quench the Spirit, but you do not lose the Spirit. You may say, well, I live in such a way that I can't hold on to God. That's okay. Christ has you. But we repent, and we cry out and say, God, fill us, please. We cannot do this on our own strength. Fill us with your Spirit, And look at these things and others and say, Lord, I repent of these. Help me to walk and step with your spirit. So so that flame, right? That flame coming from your life, that flame coming from our church is so bright, people go, golly, what's going on over there? And they can feel the warmth and love of Christ all around us. Amen? Amen? Let's pray.